From the streets of the Hamptons, peace of the mansion I've been on the mission, take the knowledge for ransom Had to free my mind, get a little expansion huh. Hood the hill ahead of triple your chances From the streets of the Hamptons, peace of the mansion I've been on the mission, take the knowledge for ransom Had to free my mind, get a little expansion huh. Hood the hill ahead of triple your chances All right, so welcome to the Hoodie Healer Show. We're going to stop counting episodes now. We're officially in business. What's up, Truth? How you been? I've been good. I'm doing good. I'm so happy to be here. So excited for this episode. Me too. So we have Netta, the coach in the building this week. She is a life coach, a spiritual practitioner. She's got some workshops that she has popping off. I was just on the site and uh, she failed to mention this to me. She's got like gods and stuff on there. So <laughs> come on, hop in and tell us what all you got going on. You said I got what on there? <laughs> you got those gods and workbooks and stuff. You ain't tell me you had all that yeah. happening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like to surprise people a little bit. So I'm glad that you. <laughs> no, I'm um, yeah, so I'm a spiritual mentor. Um, and so I work as a spiritual healer. Um, I'm a psychic medium. I'm a lover of Jesus. So, so basically, I use my spiritual connection uh, to help people. But I also kind of, unlike other healers, is that I connect the mental health side, right? Um, and I work in mental health. So I'm. Uh, supervising the mental health clinicians who oversee mental health patients. And so I'm trauma-informed. So I'm not a clinician, but I'm trauma-informed. I have clinical hours and I bridge the spiritual side and the mental health side to help people find their gifts and then heal themselves. Um, because when they are having struggles in their life, they realize they have a block in some area, whether that be in their mental body, their spiritual body, their emotional body, or their physical body. And so when you clear or you don't clear one of those blocks, you realize there's disruption there. And so I basically give people tools to clear those blocks. See, that's perfect. That leads right into what me and Truth was just literally talking about. You know, everybody has their little show notes and stuff. And the first note on mine is actually identifying trauma. So what are the things that you've learned over your time and with what you do on how to help people like identify they actually are dealing with trauma? Because a lot of people don't even understand what trauma is. Right. I, you know, it's interesting because so I grew up in a household where my mom, she was mentally ill. Um, and so, of course, she was dealing with a lot of trauma. And usually trauma spreads and affects other people and causes trauma in other people uh, when there's nothing to control it or help. <laughs> um, and so we all were navigating the remnants of not having a structured, you know, parenting um, background uh, or having a structured parent. Uh, so... I would talk to my siblings like, okay, I think this is trauma. And they'll be like, oh, this is like, I don't have trauma. Like, and when you talk to people, especially in the community, communities of color too, I don't know if you've encountered this, people don't want to admit that they have trauma. Right. But oftentimes, you know, like dealing with someone who had mental health issues and there wasn't support dealing with somebody who was an alcoholic, right. Growing up when there was violence in the home, there's different forms of trauma that are circulating and, and it's hard not to have trauma especially in the u.s because of all these different systems and structures of oppression right uh, people don't want to talk about it they don't want to admit to it um so how do you know that you have trauma i would say that people usually come to me when they realize that they have these repeating cycles in their life right for example relationship cycles they're like okay this relationship sucked <clears throat> but i got into a new relationship 
And it still sucked. It's a different person, but I realized it's the same type of situation. Like this last person had an addiction issue. This next person has an addiction issue, right? And so they're like, okay, they start to ask, like, what is it within me that is attracted to, not necessarily attracting, but is attracted to these certain types of people, right? And that leads them right to understanding that there's usually emotional trauma, emotional wounding within them that's just asking, like, yo, can you learn this lesson? And they're trying to learn this lesson in the wrong way by engaging in these situations that are harmful to them uh, rather than taking a new perspective um, and moving forward so they can have healthier relationships. So I would say people who have these repeating cycles in their life that are harming them usually is connected to, to some type of emotional wounding, usually in their childhood. <clears throat> yeah, see, I, I actually resonate a lot with what you just said, like uh, I'm writing this book and in there I'm talking about my mom's addictions, not only to drugs, but bad relationships and how it led me to perpetuate the cycle. But mm -hmm. uh, it's funny, I just learned uh, a couple of days ago in my personal therapy session that there's trauma and there is complex trauma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm familiar with the trauma aspect, but we get to this one part where I'm talking to my therapist mm -hmm. and she goes, Oh, you've never mentioned that before. That's complex trauma. And to me, I was like, oh, so now there's something even more wrong with me. I got complex <laughs> trauma. <laughs> so I'm just like, all right, lady, what are we going to do with this part? Right. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, you know, you, you're slowly peeling back the layers. And that's why I'm bringing people like you to the show, because I realized even though I've been in therapy for two years, I just found out my complex trauma, you know, I, I'm just, I don't even have regular trauma guys. <laughs> I thought it was just regular, but here we are with this extra layers of it, because not only from what she was explaining is you have your, your layer of trauma. Like I had trauma from my mom being a drug addict, but then the complex trauma came in with the behaviors that came from her addiction. So severe trigger warning for anybody who has anything, any problems with suicide. Stop the show now, because I'm going to say something crazy. My mom slit her wrist in front of me when I was 11 years old on Mother's Day. There's a movie called Hillbilly Elegy, mm -hmm. and I was watching it. And in the movie, this lady does the same thing. And it triggered me. I hit the button and got up, and I'm pacing through my house. And I'm like, whoa, that was serious. So when I hopped in this conversation with my therapist, she goes, well, you've been dealing with your mom's drug issue, but you haven't been dealing with the symptoms that came from it. So that's why I'm talking about like this trauma stuff. So back to what you said, how do people, because a lot of people suppress it, how do they identify like what in their childhood triggered that trauma, like that traumatic experience? Without suppressing it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's interesting um you know usually emotional trauma is complex <laughs> right it, it usually is multi-level for example if you're, if you're dealing with enmeshment trauma right uh, so if you had a parent who wasn't able to provide their parently duties right it's usually going to lead to some type of enmeshment trauma because children are now having to step up in roles that they usually wouldn't have to step up in right i'm if you're a child you need nurture you need structure but then as a parent you can't provide that so now i have to act like a parent sometimes now i have to tell you mom you probably shouldn't be doing that or let me step up let me cook this time or let me work uh, to provide for the family right and so that is a form of complex trauma in itself right and so i used to have um this friend, uh, not necessarily a client, but she told me, you know, every time I wash dishes, I start humming. 
right? <laughs> and she was like, I, I just started humming because she realized that as a child, she had to step into, into certain roles, like really, really young to like do certain duties. Like, yeah, you do chores as a child, but she had to do more, right? And the way she got through that was just humming, right? So that was already kind of a form of dissociation from that trauma and that helped her get through it, right? So at some point in time, you know, if someone doesn't want to face something, they're not going to face it. Right. You could tell somebody, OK, you have trauma and they won't receive it. Right. And that's kind of why I think some therapists need to be trauma informed and not just trauma informed, because like, what is that? Like some therapists will come to you and they're like, oh, I'm trauma informed, but they never talked to a black person before or a person of color or a person who dealt with different types of complex trauma. And so they'll throw things on you and they don't know how to approach it. And you're like, what is this? I don't have trauma or you're just not going to be receptive to it. Um, but when people are um, ready to be receptive to it, they will. Right. So if, if they're disconnected from it and they're not ready to face their triggers, they won't. But usually it comes a point in time when they realize that their behaviors are just harmful to them. Right. They get tired. They get tired of being hurt in relationships. They get tired of being isolated. They get, they get tired of not having true love. They get tired of not connecting with people. And then that's when they really start to look within. They have um, what do you call it? The dark night of the soul. Right. Shit is just blowing up. Can I cuss? I'm sorry. It's all right. I've let you say so. <laughs> Stuff is just blowing up in their life and they realize, okay, I need to make a change, right? And so uh, when they reach that point of darkness, then they're able to see the light and then they're able to face their triggers. So I feel like it just happens within themselves, right? So they're going to be dissociated from a while. Um, from it for a while they're going to disconnect from it they're going to have triggers but eventually when they get tired that's when they open up and that's when you can kind of reach them <clears throat> and you know for anybody listening what she just said is absolutely true that's that's how we arrived here even to this show is i got tired of my own shit guys i really did i i got tired of being toxic being unhappy and it all started with self-accountability i realized like nobody else controls me me so if anybody can fix me, it's going to be me. It's truth. You got something to say? I see you over there. Yeah, like even so, what you just said, like um, we always look for outside sources to like fix us, but these outside sources is just the guide to fixing ourselves. Like that's that's how we got to look at it. Like just like what you do and the work that you do, you know, you, you're giving people the tools to actually do the work. You mm -hmm. know? And, but I think sometimes and we as individuals, we look for people to fix our problem. And then, and with that, we don't actually get to the destination because we're looking outside, but it's an inside job. The people on the outside is going to give you the tools and provide you the the um, the right steps in order to do this thing for yourself. And that's basically what I wanted to add on, on top of what you just said. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, you know, I'm if I'm not ready to face something, I'm not going to be receptive to it. Uh, if, I don't, if I don't trust you, I'm not going to be receptive to it. It's, it's so many different reasons. Because uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, in certain situations where we have trauma, we are victims. And the thing about trauma is that it freezes us in time, right? Trauma freezes us. Like you can have something happen 30, minutes, 30 years ago, and then something triggers you and your body literally gets back into a space of where it was 30 years ago. Okay. And now you're reliving that trauma all over again. So you feel like a victim in that moment, even though it may not be happening again, I'm not going to be receptive to you. I'm not going to be receptive to your tools. Um, and so it just takes time. It takes patience um, and just kind of peeling away the layers. And again, like you said, get tired of your own shit. And then that's when you're able to kind of have some work. done. Yeah. Do you think that, 
um, trauma is like an unconscious thing that is something that people are not actually conscious of when they're actually mm -hmm. dealing with these traumas? Or, do, or is it something that somebody have to tell them? Like um, you, you had a traumatic situation and this is the reason why things are the way they are. Do, do you believe that's mm -hmm. the case? Or do is I it something that you just already know? Like, like, can is it possible for someone to understand that they have trauma without somebody telling them? Yes. A absolutely. I think, you know, like, these are just like labels that the, the world gave us to understand something deeper. Um, but it's, you know, like when something's not going right, you realize something's wrong, right? And so we, we call that trauma, right? Um, but trauma is um, complex, not in the form of complex trauma, but it's just like, there's so many different aspects of trauma, right? So like, that's why I believe in tying the, the mind, the body, the emotions and the spirit. I believe we have four main bodies, right? And so like, yeah, there's a mental health aspect, the brain aspect, but there's also like what's happening to you physically, right? So some people, for example, let's say their trauma is mostly like, a, uh, they realize it because something's happening mentally, right? Uh, their thoughts are negative or they're going, they're having flashbacks, they have PTSD versus somebody who just, feels anxious all of the time. They don't necessarily have negative thoughts. They're just anxious all the time. Maybe they feel frozen. They don't want to move, right? That's something that's a little bit harder for them to catch sometimes. They don't realize that that could be because of a trauma. So I, I think it really depends on the type of trauma and how it affects your body individually. Yeah. Yes. That makes Did a whole I answer your question? I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, 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 no. You answered my question and more because, <laughs> like, because they're, like, when I think about trauma, I, mainly only think about the physical aspect of it you know like you just said as far as like um a person afraid to move forward they feel stagnant that's mm -hmm. like more of a, that's more of a physical thing it can be a mental too but maybe mm -hmm. that's like a physical thing and then it, it may be it may be tied to you know um parents moving around all the time and they never really had a chance to really set in a town and meet friends and different things mm -hmm. like that so now when they're on their own and they they love the the city that they're in, and it's like okay, they may feel like okay, I want to move, but I don't want to move now. And the reason why you don't want to move is because you don't want to have that that feeling of mm -hmm. when I was younger, I was moving around, and I never really had a chance to have mm -hmm. friends. So even if even if everything is telling you to move to California for that job, you don't want to do it because you don't want to attach yourself to that feeling of the past, which that could be which <coughs> that can be more physical. But there is a a, a spiritual uh, a, a mental side of things too. Like for me personally, um, th this they call this a phobia, but it, it may be a traumatic thing too. Now that I'm seeing, you know, this conversation go the way it goes, I'm understanding that this may be a trauma too. Like one of my phobias is um, I'm, I'm afraid to ride elevators. So mm. my phobias. Mm. I'm not going to post about that. I did. I yeah, saw yeah, you yeah, post yeah. about that. Yeah. If, if you if you're a family member of mine and you live above ten flights. I won't visit you. Like, come holler at me. Come to come to my apartment. We can meet at a restaurant. But I am not going past the ten floor. I'll walk ten flights. I'll walk mm -hmm. ten flights. You know what I'm saying? But if you live on 15 and 20, if you're in a project, so you live on the 30th floor, I would never visit you. I got a question though. Is that because you're from New York and 9-11 happened? Mm. No, 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 but what, what happened was I had got stuck in the elevator when I was young. Okay. I was in that elevator for about 40 minutes and it was a summer day and it was so hot and it was crowded. I was stuck with a lot of people and that feeling of just like, like that claustrophobic feeling, of, like telling myself that I can't breathe, you know what I'm saying? Like, and 
I never wanted to experience that again. And then another time I actually tried to conquer my fears, right? So mm-hmm. my, my grandmother lived on the eighth floor in Staten Island. She lived in Stapleton Projects. So I said, you know what? I'm going to conquer my fears. And that whole summer I was there, I was riding the elevator up and down and I got a little comfortable. And then this one day my grandma, I'm going to go to the store. It's like, okay, I get in the elevator, we riding. And then if it didn't feel like it stopped, but things just got still for me, like in my mind. And I'm like, I'm stuck. Then I realized I was stuck and I started going crazy in the elevator. So it brought back up that feeling of when I got stuck for 40 minutes. Then when I got out of there, I told myself I would never ride an elevator. I do ride commercial elevators though. It feels a little bit more safer because I know that the technicians check it more frequently. So like I ride like a hospital elevator, um, commercial buildings that got like studios and stuff. I ride those, but like regular, like residential buildings, I would never ride those elevators. And they call it like, no, it's a, they say it's an um, elevator or what, what kind of phobia it is. They say it's a phobia, but now I'm seeing that that, that can probably be a, tra- um, a traumatic or trauma situation as well. Also, right, um, right. You gave yourself your uh, own exposure therapy, though, when you go on the elevators anyway. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. exposure therapy is like when you, um, like for example, like OCD people, uh, they don't want to touch doorknobs, right? So a form of exposure would be like, okay, touch it just for a second, just for a little yeah. bit. And I was like, that's who invented this. This is horrible. <laughs> like, yeah, I, actually seen a, I actually seen a video of those type of um specialists where they like they arrive, like even on the elevator side of things, they arrive the elevator up and down with you and ask you how you feeling and things, mm-hmm. different things like that. But I told myself, man, I'm I, I'm not I'm not gonna even chance that. I'm just never getting on the elevator. Right. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. I get it. You know, it's funny that you say that, though. I never really looked at uh, trauma responses in that manner. Uh, really, I'm just starting to identify all my trauma responses myself. But after my mom died and in the manner that she did die, I feel like my brain completely shifted after I was told. Like if they would have did a brain scan 10 minutes before and 20 minutes after, there was a noticeable like shift in the pattern of the way I thought I was like, in a cloud of a fog. I was just like on autopilot for three years. I'm just snapping into reality now. So trauma really does make your brain respond in different manners. Mm-hmm. What what kind of, um, like just a question to you, when it comes to trauma, like for the like clients that you assist, is it like, um, is the process of them actually like recovering or regaining their their identity and their life back from the traumatic situation is the process like always in the same range like as far as them recovering from it or or is it like this person may take two years in order for them to get back to themselves this person may take one year Mm -hmm. or or is it like a a certain period where most like 85 percent of the people recover in this time frame like, is it always different or is it like a high percentage of people actually recovering around the same time? Um, I think it depends on like if, if it's like for my spiritual mentoring clients versus the clients that I work directly in mental health in the psychology field. In the psychology field, um, I don't use much of a spiritual modality because the, the institutions and stuff like that. Um, they usually have a month turnaround, but that's like intensive therapy. And it depends on the individual and what they're navigating, what type of mental um health issue they're navigating. Um, some people end up staying for past a month, two months, three months, but usually people kind of feel better after a month, right? And, you know, like trauma is, 
it's interesting because it's like, you know, we're all on this journey to heal. We're all healing, right? It's just about giving people the tools so they can kind of navigate each day um, and have more control, right? It's so like we help the people in the, like the mental health institution, like when they feel like they lost control, like I can't get up, I can't do my daily activities. So after a month, like we give them the tools, they can do it, right? And then the healing from there is lifelong, right? But it's just about getting people to that step of like being able to like take control of their life. In the spiritual aspect, I get more specific. Like I usually like right now I'm working like empaths. Um, and so that's more about like their relationships and protecting their energy. Um, and so a lot of their trauma comes from like codependency, <laughs> even though I don't like the word, but it's like um, they cannot connect to people without getting completely drained. Um, and so a lot of times they don't realize like what's draining them and they'll Google, like, how do I protect my energy? So they'll use these spiritual tools, like, oh, cover myself in white light, uh, use this protection spell, um, use crystals, like I, I use crystals, but they realize it doesn't work. Right. And so a lot of them start to realize it's because of the trauma that they have from their childhood wounding and they haven't resolved that trauma. So now they're just super receptive to all the energy around them because they've been doing that since childhood to heal themselves, right? So something like that takes a little bit longer to heal. But in my work, I more so give them the tools to actually understand and identify where that's coming from so they can stop pulling in all that extra energy, right? So I would say the people who I work with learn how to shield themselves so they can navigate through life. But um, it, it's, it's a lifelong process. Like I can't really put a time frame on it. It's just, I think the focus is not so much like, okay, I need to be healed. It's more so mm. I need to know that I can have, I can get the tools and then use the tools to do the journey of healing myself and have more control in my life. Because yeah, it is a journey. We, ha we have to look at it as a journey. And most times people look at it like this is something that, you know, I, I can overcome in a day or a month or a year. And I, I'm glad that you said that. So the people that's actually tuned in and, you know, watching this, they can know that this is a lifetime journey and not something that you just, you know, handle in Put, put in a box and close it and lock it in a month or a year or two years or five years. This is something that you got to be doing actively. So I thank you for sharing. Yeah. That. yeah I mean, I kind of like, I kind of side eye people sometimes and they're like, I've healed my trauma. Like, <laughs> and, it, and, and like th that does happen. It does happen. Like there's some things that I can say, like doesn't bother me anymore. Or, like I don't blank out anymore. Like I used to just blank out about some stuff. Like, <laughs> it was too much for me to handle. Um, and I can say I've healed that, but it's just, there's something kind of fake about it. You know, like, it's like, okay, you healed that trauma, but 2020 happened. Were you around? <laughs> you know, like, that was pretty traumatic. Um, so, you know, like, it's, it, it is a journey because I think it's, it's hard not to navigate society without experiencing something that's traumatic, right? Um, and people who are just kind of like, oh, everything's perfect. Like, I, I side-eye them because it's just like, are you aware of what's happening? in the world right now right so i i think like i like you said and, and like we both were saying like as long as you just have the tools and you know how to use those tools so that you can get by day to day and have control over your life and you know how to navigate these challenges i think that's more important than like let me just fix everything in this moment yeah i, I love that thank you for sharing that. i really love that that yeah. that, that kind of helped me in my sense because even even on the app the empath side of things sometimes it's like you, it's like a sac, a, a self-sacrificial type of approach when you like an empath. It's like you you giving so much of yourself, you know what I'm saying, just to 
make sure everything is okay and you're attracting these different energies because you're engaging with so many different people and empaths like they can actually feel what everybody's going through and, and their moves and everything like that and like i look at empaths like somewhat like light workers without and sometimes they don't even know that because mm -hmm. they always they they spend this time trying to like help people and make everybody happy and then at the end of it they're not doing that for themselves so that's why it's important like the work that you do is really important right yo it's funny i'm literally in therapy and my therapist told me my biggest issue <laughs> is i have um what how did she phrase that uh basically i want to save people what was that what's that syndrome called where you always got to save people uh which one i don't know it's it a couple like. she, she was telling me because <clears throat> they always say we developed the traits that uh, would have saved our parents so right. so i guess i have all the traits that are supposed to be to save somebody who was sexually abused and uh, addicted to drugs so i'm always you, you mentioned that you, we attract partners like that so i seem to attract partners who have the same issues my mother had because I, I attracted to not attract though. not to cut you off though because it, it the reason I'm, I'm careful about that is like you know, there, i remember seeing this argument there's there's no accountability no you're right but <laughs> i didn't realize like a lot of times i don't realize they have those those addictions or those issues i look past people's flaws i try to see people for who they are and i found that some people have been good enough to just get that over my head until it's a little too late <laughs> absolutely yeah, that, um, so like I, I want you to elaborate a little bit on that what you just said like um you don't want it to be confused like you you're not attracting those people you are attracted to yeah like, please keep like, going yeah elaborate on that a little bit yeah do i have to no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're here for come on <laughs> well i i think i think it's both um i think we I believe in the law of attraction. I believe we're constantly attracting things to us. And to a certain extent, we are attracting certain people to us. But I mean, like, if you're a good person, like, it's a, the law of attraction is supposed to work like attracts like. So why is it that good people also attract energy vampires? Like, what's that about? Right? Yeah. Um, so it, we are attracting people to us, but also sometimes people are just attracted to us because of our light, right? So if you are a light worker, you're talking about light workers, and, and you're a light worker, I'm pretty sure you both are, I can see your light. Um, then you're gonna people are gonna want to drain that so but what we can pinpoint though is that what you allow to take place now that's important right so whether you attracted it or they're attracted to you is this still going on right so what about you are attracted in that situation where you're not cutting it off that's that's why i like to make that distinction because i can't say that you attract everybody you know i but i could say that like okay if you're allowing this to go on without stopping it then what about you is attracted to that savior complex that's what it was my savior complex is what is attracted to that i'm always trying to save people from their own choices but you you're absolutely right though because you're not going to eat a meal that you don't like it you're going to push it to the side right so right. You, you're only going to dive into the thing that you actually like and attracted to so that question that you asked like if you don't like this why or if you're not attracted to this thing why aren't you cutting it off and that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense when you put it in that perspective. It's true, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people say, um, I I'm not attracted to this. So I, I just attract hurt people. I hear that a lot. Like, all I do is attract hurt people. In that sense, why are you still in this situation if that's something that you don't want to attract <laughs> or 
you don't or you or something that you're not attracted to. Mm-hmm. And, and, but I, I think it's the the self evaluation part that a lot of people actually miss. Like they don't they don't self evaluate. They don't ask themselves like, I'm in a situation. Why am I here? You know, like why am I attracting these type of people? Why am I attracted to these type of people? And when you when you discover the answer, a lot of the times you find out you have some of those traits within yourself. And you, you exactly. have looked in the yeah you have looked in the mirror and you're like wow. Like I do embody some of these behaviors. So it's back to that like attract like type thing that you just mentioned before. And it's 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 just amazing how this whole thing works when you think about it, like how the mind work, how you know relationships are built, how how they are formed, and how you even discover the things that you actually like and dislike. It's it's if, when you look at it from the outside, it's it's a, a amazing thing because it gives you the opportunity to actually grow from the things that you no longer want to be a part of, the things that you no longer want to entertain, you it ha- you have the opportunity to grow from that. And I think that's an amazing thing. We look at it like a negative, but it, it can be a positive as well. Absolutely. One of the biggest things I learned um, on the spiritual side of things is uh, relationships are mirrors. We're mirroring each other. So that's why we attract what we attract, because we attract what we're where we're at in life in that moment. So if we're in a negative place, we're going to recept, you know, be receptive to negative energy because, you know, old saying misery loves company. So that's mm-hmm. how to allow that cycle to keep happening right there. That's what I've learned. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what, what's your what's your thought of um, people actually, you know, sub- suppressing their feelings instead of actually dealing with them? Like I was one of those people that, you know, um, if, I, if I'm sad, I would ignore the fact that I am sad. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I, I looked at that emotion as a, a negative. Like, you're not ever supposed to be sad. Yeah, like that's weakness. I, yeah, yeah, like it's a weak, it's a weakness. And and now I'm starting to feel like, I now I'm starting to look at it as something that I, I need to actually deal with and, and, mm-hmm. release, and release. What's your thoughts on that? Like people that actually suppress those feelings and ignore it or, or make themselves believe that that feeling is not something that they are feeling at the moment. Uh, I mean, initially, you know, just not to beat themselves up about it. Uh, I mean, when you were when you were suppressing it, did you know you were suppressing it? Or did somebody have to like tell you? I, no, I, I knew because like I looked at it as as something that's been like as something like you're not supposed to feel that way or it's negative. Like you should always be happy mm-hmm. to always be joyful and grateful. Cause this is what people tell you. So that, so to answer your question, yes. In a, in a mm-hmm. sense, people tell me that cause they'd say, you gotta be grateful. You gotta be happy. You gotta be this. You gotta be that. You, you gotta move up your head while you are sad at the moment. Like it's people out there that's hungry in Africa and you got food on the table. So, Mm-hmm. feel like this so yes in a sense people did tell me that so i always kind of reject when i do feel fat sad i like you said i beat myself up about it because what i've been told as a child you got all these you got this food you better eat your collard greens because there's people in africa starving you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. you better be grateful that you're eating so growing up i start I, I always had it in my mind that you know anger sadness and these all low vibrating frequencies is bad you know what i'm saying but but what i what i know to believe are you ignoring these these emotions it it can it can like make relationships 
kind of awkward, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it kind of, it kind of make you insensitive to mm-hmm. like your partner and friendships. And when a friend might be coming to you to like vent and you're looking at them, like saying the same things your mom said, like, right. well, you should be happy that, you know, you got somebody, at least, at least your partner is working and bringing an in income and helping you with this. Like, why are you complaining about that? And then mm-hmm. now they're looking at me as an insensitive person, but I am insensitive at the moment because of the things that have been told to me. So like people is going to actually be watching this episode. So, and I'm pretty sure there's people out there that's dealing with the same thing. What would you tell somebody like that? Ambulance will be going by. Um, <laughs> I, that's all right. They they going. <laughs> <cool. laughs> I would tell them um, is <laughs> again is to be patient with themselves, not to beat themselves up. Because you know, a lot of times when people come to me with certain behaviors, they're like, "Okay, I don't like that I do this, but I know that I do this." Uh, go back to asking yourself, like, what's the underlying need, uh, like, or and what what are you protecting yourself from? Right? It's it's a safety mechanism it's a protective mechanism like you couldn't speak up about certain things in your childhood or you'd be reprimanded right and so when that happens really young your parents are like gods right (laughs) so like okay no like i don't want that to happen and then you grow up and then like you still kind of have those mechanisms like not not like that but like you still have those mechanisms i dealt with actually i dealt with the exact same thing you don't want to speak up but so i went through the same thing actually um I was reprimanded for crying or or not only was I reprimanded for crying, just no one was there. And I remember being really young. I was like eight years old and um, I think I poured milk or something and I was crying because I didn't get what I wanted and nobody paid attention to me. Right. And so I remember just being on the floor and crying and I heard myself crying and I was just like, damn, is that me? And I just stopped. (laughs) Right. Nobody came to say, are you okay? What's going on? Like I just had to kind of deal with certain things on my own without any nurture and without structure sometimes. So it just shut me down. And I grew up thinking, no, no one's going to rescue you. And you should rescue yourself, of course, but like, no one's going to be there for you. No one's going to care if you, you speak, no one's going to care if you have a need, no one's going to care if you are hurt. Uh, and so I was going through relationships, trying to get close to people, but I was unable to get close to people because I didn't know how to express my emotions. And I didn't feel safe enough to express my emotions. And so I beat myself up a lot because I wasn't able to do that and people just felt disconnected from me. And so I realized that I had to learn how to communicate my needs, no matter how horrible it felt. Um, And once I finally learned how to communicate my needs, then I had to learn how to find the right people to communicate my needs to, because if you communicate your needs to the wrong people, then they can make you feel worse. That could be re-traumatizing. Okay, you open up, okay, this hurt me, I need this. And then they shut you down or they're not receptive or they're rude. And then that I went through like a re-traumatization period. but it was the opening up and going through the pain that allowed me to learn like, all right, I deserve somebody who can reciprocate. I deserve somebody who can create a safe space with me so that I can communicate my needs, so that can be a reciprocal us communicating our needs. Um, what was your question? So basically that you, you answered it. I basically was asking like, what what like what would you tell somebody out there that look at the quote unquote negative emotions like sadness and anger? Mm-hmm. You know, they look at it as negative. Yeah. And um, what what would you tell a people person that is rejecting those different emotions because they feel like you know they shouldn't feel those things? 
but yeah, one of the things you said is that they shouldn't beat themselves up about feeling that way. So that's one. That's one of the answers that you gave. And 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 look at the and, and look at the underlying need and look at the underlying need. Instead of beating yourself up about the behavior, ask yourself, okay, what need am I trying to get served here? Um, and and what are like, am I protecting myself? And what am I protecting myself from? All right. Yeah. So you hear that, viewers? Don't beat yourself up about whatever you're feeling. Um, and, and me and Christy, we always um talk about you know these different emotions. And one of the things that I I always say is you know, um allow yourself to feel those things, you know? And like you said, ask yourself the question, what, what am I trying to like serve, what, what am I trying to serve or discover in this emotion? And then allowing yourself to actually release those things. So um, for me, I like to release my, you know, whatever sadness or anger through art. I love music, you know, I love creating. I, like, I, I will go grab magazines and cut out my favorite prints inside those magazines and put them on a vision board and like i have to create in order to like shift that energy to like a more happier one or exciting feeling you know the thrill of recording makes me you know happy i'm always amped to like just record something new or write a new song i love like like production i love beats so like like even more than being a, a, a rapper, just listening to the instrumentals exciting me, excites me because the pro, I, like I understand the process of making that beat. So it kind of like occupies my mind from being like sad or angry when actually creating. So like I, I would say, and I don't know if you agree, you know, if you are feeling that type of way, maybe tap into something that you enjoy and in, in hopes that that actually shifts that mood <coughs> and that feeling. So I'm going to tap into what you both said. Uh, my first go around, I did therapy mixed with anger management, and we called it the toolbox. We literally made me a toolbox, a mental toolbox, where depending on what emotion I felt, I could go in there and grab my tool because I didn't understand my emotions. Um, I'm probably on the autism spectrum. I've never been diagnosed but I know, I know, <laughs> I've accepted it. I'm different. The way I think, the way I operate, I'm completely different than most people that I've ever met in my life. And <clears throat> so I know that there that you have to find what works for you. So for a lot of people, they need to find their tools, just like Truth was saying and asking the questions about um, how can, can you give people advice type of thing. So you take what advice works for you and start building a toolbox because you have to be aware of your triggers. Once you can start learning your triggers, then you can start identifying which tool to use and help. If you have a, a nail, you know to get a hammer. If you have a screw, you know to get a screwdriver. But what kind of screw do you have? Do you need a flathead, a Phillips, or do you need one of them little custom stars that you got to go all the way to the hardware store and get? And that's your therapist. Sometimes you got to go get your therapist to deal with that one. So start building a toolbox. Take the bits and pieces like that Netta just said, the things that Truth's saying. We're going to have more guests to do this with. But take this and start building yourself a toolbox if you're not ready to go to therapy and, you, and you're just looking to work on it on your own. Get you a notebook, write these things down, and really just one step at a time, identify your triggers. As I previously mentioned, I had an unidentified trigger that really just caught up with me this last week. Seeing that lady do that in that movie 
really messed me up. I didn't realize what a trigger suicide was for me. But when I sat down, like I didn't even talk to my therapist about this a couple of days ago. My grandfather committed suicide and I didn't think about that. The only man that I know is my grand, like he wasn't my biological, but that's like, I got pictures of this man holding me at a month old. When I was seven and a half, eight years old, they told me the story of this man playing Russian roulette and how it ended. Mm. And then a year and a half later, I witnessed my mom trying to take her life. And subconsciously, I didn't realize what that foundation was laying for me. So when we talk about identifying your childhood triggers, I, I really... I want y'all to look back at those kind of things, those kind of things that you've pushed so far behind that sometimes you forget about them. Because mm -hmm. honestly, I really forgot that's how he died. I just know now he's dead, but it was so traumatic. I tried to cover it up because I didn't want to think about that experience. So, all right, y'all can have it back. <laughs> <laughs> now I thank you for sharing that. Like, like a lot of us do that, right? We 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 push things so far to the back. Like it it could even be, you know, in my I share a story. It could be like um me being in elementary school or middle school and getting your being rejected for the first time by a girl you like. You know what I'm saying? And you pushing that so far, so far to the back, and then it's like. Now every girl you meet, you deal with them differently because you're afraid of this what this rejection, right? You know? And you're like, why? Why? You know, um, I have to, I have to hit a first and run before I can actually tell her I like her. Like, why am I doing this? You know, what I'm saying, oh, why? I, um, I, I'm, I gotta go in front of her and act like the macho man. Why? Why am I doing this instead of saying, you know what? Hey, I, I think you're pretty dope, and I, I like how you, you know. Are social and I like, you know, that you're into sports like I am. Instead of doing all those things, you just say you with your homeboys, you boasting and everything, and you're doing these things because you like this girl, but you're not approaching approaching her. And it's because you put that that feeling so far back of, of rejection mm -hmm. and you act out in certain other ways, you know, instead of just dealing with that, like you know what? I got rejected. Yeah, it hurt, but I have to make sure that I get myself back to this place of confidence <laughs> so I can mm -hmm. start approaching a female like a human being instead of just like a a, a thug or monkeying around and everything like that so like that was actually a true story like like when I got to like high school like I would do certain things to get a female's attention mm -hmm. because that I was afraid of being rejected but I put that so far back I'm like I forgot that I um got rejected like how you said I forgot until I sat back and because this one girl told me she like yo, you don't gotta do that because just to show me that you like me like and I'm like, wait, what would you do? I'm so curious. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it was. I think I probably like you know like put a foot out and tripped us something like that. Like, <laughs> if I was if I was something along those lines, like she's walking by or something, and I'm like. But like I'm doing these things because like I like her and I don't want to mm -hmm. tell her this. So I just want to try to engage with her any way I can just mm -hmm. to start a conversation or to make her say, hey, why you do that? And I'm like, hey, and whatever the case. But you like this person. So you're doing these things, but you're not saying it. So when she said that, I like I went home and it's just like I think about it like, why am I acting out this way? It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid of rejection. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm, afraid to, to, I'm afraid to hear 
uh, I'm not interested in you, or um, maybe another time. I'm afraid to hear that. So a lot of us are. A lot of people are. <laughs> yeah, yes, you were. So, and 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 speaking of that, social media had made it so easy for people that's afraid of rejection because now they can just send a message real quick, boom, boom, boom. And if a person don't say what you like, you're like, oh well, they are already all right. the way somewhere else. <laughs> it's all right. It's all good. It's all good. And um, but to piggyback off of that, do you believe like we're gonna get off of the topic a little bit just to make it a little fun? Do you believe that social media <laughs> uh-huh. made it easier for somebody to engage with somebody they like, opposed to actually walking up to them in the street and saying something to them? That's still aligned with what you do anyway, right? Because yeah. right? um, it's still psychological a little bit in in, in a sense. So it's just like. Do you feel like a lot of people that's afraid of speaking to somebody face to face or in person? Mm-hmm. Do you think they are more prone to do it on social media because of their fear of doing it human human interaction? I think it definitely depends on the individual, but uh, I mean, social media is interesting. Like social media, people treat social media like their living rooms. <laughs> you know, uh, if you say the wrong thing, you get the people get really offended. Then they gonna subtweet you. They gonna post something about you on their page, or you know, like it's just people just kind of be wild and out on social media. So I think to a certain extent, people are a little bit more uncomfortable with like approaching people on social media. Is it effective? I don't know because I also saw. I know it's a meme, but this meme was like, "Yo, he really just DM me when he could have just said it in person." <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. you know. So it's just like I don't know how. I think a lot of connections do happen online, but I also think it can kind of take away like the authenticity of something, you know, because you don't really know who someone is until you meet them in person. That's true. I actually seen, like you said, I've seen that meme before and I actually went through that before too. Like I've seen somebody at a cookout that I thought I like, I thought was my friend on Facebook, <laughs> but I wasn't sure. Like I wasn't sure. Like I think I got this person as a Facebook friend, and but I didn't say nothing to that person. I just kept doing my thing. There's like a big cookout, whatever the case. They have a lot of those in Harlem. And then when I get home, I see a, a message on Facebook. Hey, I thought I think I saw you in um at, at the cookout, and, I, and I'm like, if you were sure it was me, you I know you sure it was me because you didn't. <laughs> so why you didn't say anything? Like you could have just said hi or something. Like you know what I'm saying? I know. I'll I'll time. <laughs> like you really took the time to say all the time and say, "Yo, I see you walking across the street." That's kind of creepy, right there. Like, <laughs> I see you coming down. I see you coming down Lennox Avenue, or I, I just saw you walking McDonald's. Like, you just, just come holler at me, say what's up. Like, right, right, like, right. like I'm not gonna bite you. It's, it's weird. Social media is weird. Right. I think social media allows people to really hide. Honestly, mm. I think in one aspect. It does give the introvert the, what is the word? I don't know, the tenacity to go ahead and shoot that shot. But on another hand, it it allows people to really just hide from who they really are because they don't have to deal with their insecurities by sending that message through a DM. Um, like you were speaking on that fear of rejection, you can minimalize that fear by hiding behind that DM instead of doing that face-to-face interaction. And I've noticed that a lot. Um, I'm 32. I know truth. You're like a year older than me. Netta, I'm not sure what age you are, but I'm literally the first generation of the internet 
we were the AOL kids. I literally ran AOL. We made LOL and BRB and the smiley faces. We are the reason these kids have emojis now. It was us. We did that. And I noticed when I was younger, it was much easier to have one-on-one interactions and conversations with people. But when you go outside and you walk down the street, everybody's like this. It's Mm -hmm. making it harder. And there's like that boundary, like you don't even want to pull people from their phone because you don't even know what they're doing. So I think that slows down our engagement with people because we're so like, you could be sitting in the same room or the same house and people will text each other. And it's like, why didn't you just look up and say it? Yeah. And I found that happened in my previous relationship. My ex would be upstairs. I would be downstairs. And instead of her just walking down the stairs and being like, hey, can you come upstairs? She would send some weird message that would draw me away from my work just to get my attention instead of being straight on like, hey, I want some time with you. It would be, oh, there's this issue. And then I would come and it would literally be like nothing. It'd be a sock on the floor. And I'd be like, so you made up a problem to get my attention and it's just a sock on the floor. But why didn't you just say you wanted to engage with me? And I think social media has helped, like, really perpetuate that problem. A lot of people are scared to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw this meme the other day, and it really hit me. It said we ignore each other to get each other's attention. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> do we do that yeah and it's true the the human interaction you know part of things has been like a foreign language which in in my opinion you know like at the dinner table you see everybody with their phones in their hands like you know like but when i was coming up like we actually had conversation like you know how was school and what was your day like like that was like the thing like you we we couldn't eat in, in the living room like come to the table that, that was me growing up. Like, my mom, yeah, we, we at the table, and we're going to talk about each other day. And and now these days, like, especially, like, I have kids now. I see, like, you know, they, they'd rather have a phone or sometimes much rather just want to skip dinner at that moment because they playing Fortnite or, you know what I'm saying, or on their iPads watching YouTube. And um, my, my son, he lives in a, a different place than I live that we don't live in the same home so a, a lot of times I want to FaceTime him and call him and different things like that and I call him and I'd be like hey how you doing and he'd be stuck for a while and I'm like you playing that game <laughs> you're like yeah I'm playing a game I'm like could you put the game down for at least like two minutes so I could talk to you and see how you doing because every, everything is going to be good, good <laughs> right good. like a robot and it's like social media and this new technology is turning people into like human robots in a sense. And it's, yeah, it's, it's bittersweet. It could be, it is bittersweet because technology is an amazing thing. This is this is why we're here. We actually in different places, but having this conversation, technology is amazing. But it goes back to what you were saying about those tools. Like it's like learning how to actually use those tools as well. And with with social media and the internet, we have to know how to use it. Because yeah. it can it can even build you up or it can break you down. Yeah. A lot of people they they base their life off of what they see on social media. Like if if they see the next person on vacation all the time, flashing money and with the 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 finest man or the finest woman, and they don't have that, 
then that puts them in a place of feeling depressed and sad because it's like, wow, everybody is lit. Everybody's in Miami right now doing what they're doing. And, you know, they 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 jumping off of the boats and they own speed boats and the best restaurants. But I'm here and I'm not doing all these things. And it's like, what's wrong with me? And they internalize those <laughs> things. And, and social media has done that to a lot of people. Like, I know people personally, you know, they, they, they will go broke to look like the person that's have that lit life. But then that person that have that lit life may be putting on a show as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The money might be prop money. You know what I'm saying? The Rolex might be fake. It might have the TikTok to it. You know what I'm saying? Have you, have you seen those those images going around? I don't know if it was on the shave room, but it was like people taking pictures in jets. But then they they zoomed out and they realized it wasn't really a private jet. It was, it was like a studio that you could rent out that looked like a jet. Yeah, I seen that. that like um, it reminded me of the Bow Wow Challenge. I don't know if you ever remember that from years ago. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's and it's it's easier to like portray a, a certain lifestyle when you you can rent things and and take a picture for the day in the in that Ferrari. You might be paying like fifty dollars an hour, sixty dollars an hour. They say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend three hours with this Ferrari just to take pictures, you know, and let the owner come pick it up. But that that also takes a toll on people mentally. And I'm I'm one of those people that um I'm not um a person that's I would say um materialistic like I, I like I like the juice of life I like to be able to have conversation you know talk about you know anything I like walks in the park I love making smoothies I love health and wellness like this is other things that has mo- more value to me than those things so it doesn't really affect me much but mm-hmm. I have people in my family that it really affects them like and um it, it really takes a toll on them or even even with support like we we all do different things. I know people that you know do music. Like in my case, I do music, and I have people in my family that may not get as much support as I'm getting. So they will feel a way towards me because I'm getting a certain amount of support mm-hmm. or a certain kind of support, and they not. And and I'm like, but what did I do to you personally? Like, but they looking at it like, oh, like you think you the ish or you think you that. So some people actually look at situation to create these scenarios in their head that really isn't what is what it appears to be like and for real truth everything you just said to me sounds like uh our main topic here at hand unhealed trauma like literally these things all stem back from something that happened as a kid if somebody's jealous because you're getting more support that sounds like they had an unsupportive parent like Mm. really so to me it really just looks like a reflection in childhood a lot of your adult problems, if you look at yourself as a kid, you'll find the root of where that problem came from. And that's just speaking as somebody who's growing through it. Yeah, absolutely. That's and you, you make a good point. Uh, and also, like you said before, the accountability accountability part of things. Because a lot of the times, you know, we, we, we point the finger when we're going through something. Instead of just saying, you know what, let's look inward and see what this problem actually is. What's the root of this problem? And um, and that's what and that's what that's about. And but like you said, it, it takes time. It's a life journey. Like it's it's something that you consistently have to work on. Like we all want to be overcomers, right? But when we are granted the opportunity to overcome something, we we fold. So it's like we have to make a decision. Like, 
do you want to be an overcomer or do you want to be somebody that run away and don't want to, you know, um, face your problem or issue head on? I don't like to call them problems. I just like to call them like opportunities because everything is an opportunity, opportunity to grow, opportunity to mm-hmm. learn, you know? So um, I don't like to call them problems, but we have to get to a point in our life where we hold ourselves accountable for the things that goes on in our life. Like, you can't, we can't continue to say my baby mama is this or my baby mama is that. Like that was once somebody that you was attracted to. That was once somebody that you loved. Mm-hmm. So I see a, and I'm just saying these things because this is stuff I see on social media. Like I see a lot of like ranting about, you know, co-parenting and different things like that. But, um, and it's a, a, a point in the finger match. And it's like, what, yeah. what can I do to better this situation or to make the situation better and leave it as that? Yeah, for sure. So before we let you get up out of here, Netta, I know it's been a, we've had a nice lengthy show. Let's talk a little bit about those workshops and those uh, guides you got going on. Let's let's get to know a little bit more about what you do to help people um, move forward with these things that we've spoken about tonight. Cool. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to touch on uh, some of the workshops I do. So um, Project Mental Playground is like a project that I work on. Oops, sex to me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> pops up on my screen. But Project Mental Playground is a workshop that I'm doing in LA specifically. Um, and so it's kind of dealing with a lot of the stuff that you all were talking about. Like, uh, I think um, Truth was mentioning, like, what stops somebody from asking a girl, girl out or a guy out or whatever, uh, what makes people feel stuck, right? And so the whole aspect or point of Project Mental Playground is to get people unstuck. A lot of times they don't realize that they're stuck because of something that's going on with trauma or they're stuck because of something that's going on with their nervous system. And their nervous system is literally making their body freeze. These ambulances hate me. Uh, <laughs> nervous, the nervous system literally makes their body freeze. And so I use play to get people unstuck. Play is like is a mixture of danger and safety, right? And so people are like, I don't wanna move, it's dangerous, but if you add safety to it, then that's play. So I play with people in these workshops through like, uh, we'll like literally play games. Um, and through that, they'll learn how to connect with people um, and they learn how to socialize um, and that adds more safety so they can start building trust. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, I can trust more people. I can open up to more people. Like. It, in my mind, it makes sense. It's like this weird connection. But ultimately, uh, yeah, through play, people learn how to heal their trauma. And then my um, latest ebook right now is a tutorial on how to heal your emotional trauma in a sense uh, if you're an empath, right? So a lot of people who are empaths, like I said, they disconnect from people because they feel ice. They isolate because they don't want to be drained. Uh, so I teach people how to basically heal their nervous system so they can stop getting drained. Um, and they can protect themselves and they can connect with people without isolating. That was actually uh, one of my issues is uh, everybody wants to suck on my energy (laughs) because of the I have the nonprofit where I deal with a lot of people who need, you know, assistance with things. And then, of course, you see, I I host this. So clearly my goal is to just help people. So I've been finding my inbox, my phone. Um, Actually, you know, I'm going to be honest. I have a longtime childhood friend who has been blowing me up and she herself is really strung out on drugs. Mm -hmm. And and I'm trying to figure out like, this is an active situation. Like this happened today. It's been happening. 
I cut her off and I felt guilty for cutting her off because she is a childhood friend, but I had to set the boundary because I lost my mom to drugs. I had to set that boundary because it's a trigger. And today I got a slew of messages you can hardly comprehend. And I was being asked like, I guess to help another drug addict find themselves. And immediately when I was trying to read it and decipher it, I started feeling myself become like overly drained. And when I responded back, like trying to get a clear, coherent response, the person responded back and told me they were questioning my intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I was just floored. I'm like, so I'm trying to help you and you're insulting me. And I realized like, I have to find a balance for myself because as the name is Hood the Healer, mm -hmm. I'll cut your ass out. Right. I, was gonna say, I don't know where you from. I, I would have said to her, I don't know where you from, but where I'm from, we don't do shit like that. <laughs> I just ask you for my help. <laughs> See, I'm from the hood and she knows me. She knows, you know, it, it's no secret where I came from. I have a reputation for putting my hands on people because I didn't know how to verbalize my emotions. The easiest thing I could do was just smack the taste out of your mouth. Right. <laughs> and now, I, now listen, y'all, forgive me. I haven't been beating people up for like 10 years. Like I said, hood the healer. I went from being hood and now I'm trying to be a healer. Listen. You went from, you went, you went from, you went from whipping ass to whipping <laughs> But... I was just sitting here and I'm like, there, there's got to be a way to find this balance because I know there's going to be more of this later and it's going to come from people I don't know. And that's going to make it even worse because, you know, I understand her situation right now. She's not there mentally. She's so far gone on these drugs. I can I can rationalize an excuse to allow the behavior which is really not good for somebody with my mental health diagnosis. I shouldn't rationalize an excuse for her behavior, but in order to stay level-headed and not react in a dangerous manner and be like, Hey, listen, you're all kind of words that can be screenshotted and shared all over the internet. Mm -hmm. I didn't respond and I'm trying to find a way. And I think I'm going to have to look into your stuff a little bit and figure it out. Cause I'm trying to find a way to protect my energy because that's not good. That's not healthy. I, you shouldn't come to me for help. And then when I get clarity, cuss me out and tell me, like literally her words were, I'm questioning your intelligence. And I was just, I was floored. Yeah. You with me? <laughs> right. People, I don't know, they just be kind of, I, I, yo, sometimes people say the darndest things, you know. But yeah, I mean, um, I feel like your example kind of explains what I help people with. I, I can write like a whole book and then still not know how to explain it because I'm in my mind so much. But yeah, like it, it just gives people the tools to like know how to deal with these types of people. And it also gives them the tools to learn how to find better people, right? To be able to discern like, okay, I want this person in my life. I don't need this person in my life. Um, along with the healing too. Cause like you can heal all day, but if you're still allowing people to re-traumatize you or come back in your life and treat you all types of ways, then the healing is just kind of gonna only half help the situation, right? So you gotta learn how to be able to discern like who you should allow around you and who you shouldn't. You know, that's that's spot on. And that's why I said I shouldn't be rationalizing an, an excuse for somebody else's behavior. Because truthfully I, mean, I was gonna say, and not to cut you off, I, I 
no, go ahead. Affirm me in that too, and say like, okay, don't rationalize it, but it just it just shows me that you have empathy, right? And, and that's the beautiful part about people who go through like these situations is that out of it they end up having more empathy for other people because we live in a world where people just kind of don't care about other people anymore, and that's a survival mechanism. It's all about me, me, me. But people who go through trauma traumatic situations, they generally have uh, a lot of them have empathy, and and that empathy is what's going to allow us to like love one another right it's just about having boundaries with that empathy right like okay i can understand that like you're not trying to be a horrible person i can understand that you have certain trauma so that's why you're acting that way but i also have the boundaries to say all right well cool i'm gonna love you from a distance yeah see this is why i created this show this is right here these moments right here because i know truth got a moment a little while ago where he was like ah something clicked and then that right there was something for me so netta thank you thank you for being our first guest on the show yes we we've done five shows prior to this and we decided well, I'm not even going to lie. I randomly decided <laughs> in Clubhouse that I was going to have Netta as a guest. <laughs> and it was like, boom, truth. This is what's going on. We're changing the format of the show. We now got some guests coming on. It was because I heard the way she spoke and I knew she was going to bring value to the people. And that's the whole point of Hood the Healer. We want to bring y'all value. We want y'all to understand it's okay to be hurt. And it's okay to seek help. It really is. So many people, and, and Netta brought this up earlier. She touched on it very gently. I guess it's because I'm light-skinned. She ain't want to be all black power on here or something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, um, our focus is really to bring mental health to the black community. I am mixed. I grew up in a white household. But my mom told me at four, she said, you're not white. So I left white people at four, y'all. Don't worry. <laughs> I can just tell y'all about their problems, but I ain't one of them. I love them, but I ain't one of them. So I, I want the black community to stop, stop feeling like they can't go to church and go to a therapist. Do both. Do both. You know, I, I have somebody who um, recently judged me for saying, universe instead of God but mm -hmm. look at them both the same you know I talk to my universe I talk to my God like who are you to tell me my beliefs are any different so the one thing I want y'all to get from coming to Hood the Healer is we don't care what you believe in as long as you're believing in yourself as long as you're mm -hmm. believing in getting better that's that's it if you can believe in any religion you want you can have any sexual orientation you want because I'm gayer than can be. I know <laughs> truth is a lesbian over there. I already know that man talks, he talks the most nonsense on social media, y'all. He is. <laughs> so we, we are not here to judge you. We are we just want y'all to grow with us because as y'all hear, I'm still in therapy. I'm still growing. I'm not gonna quit growing. So yeah. join us on the journey. Uh, Netta, let them know where they can find out and keep up with you. Yeah, uh, social media for sure. My Instagram, Netta the official, uh, N E D A the official, and then my website is nettaofficial.com for sure. Absolutely. Tap in, tap in. I thank you for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your presence with us and with the world that's going to be tuning into the show. Thank, thank you. you. 
I need you to do a shameless plug of um what we got going on tomorrow. Let let's let the people know what we got cooking up on Hip Hop Digital. Oh oh yeah oh oh yeah. So on Hip Hop Digital, you know I, I had put out an album called You Are God, and on Hip Hop Digital I'm gonna be interviewed on there with my homegirl Christy. Okay. She's the goat. Don't she does everything. I'm inspired by her and I'm just so honored to be in connection with her and growing with her. This is my people. She she had came to me at a time where I had no sense of direction where I was gonna go in my career. And now my career is doing good and I'm doing great in music and I ha- and I owe that to Christy. So she she has multiple platforms. She's like wearing many different hats. So we doing this show, but on hip hop digital, she'll be interviewing me. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, thank Amen. you for the little plug. I appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, go to hiphopdigital.com. Check out the interview I'm about to do with not only Young Truth, but I just interviewed Quincy Taylor, who um, he's done the street team work for Def Jam the last few years. So we're dropping gems on both platforms. Also, Save Our Families is still doing fundraising as we move into a working on getting some actual therapists to come and donate some hours. We're going to get a whole... Oh, it's 11-11, True. Look, we, we never fails. Every show, 11-11. Every show. We like to make sure by 11-11, that's when we, we, we don't leave until we see 11-11. Right? That's what, you know, I had to carry it. <laughs> okay. It's our thing. It's our thing, man. It's a, it's so it's just so we know it's a blessed show. God was here and he ordained this. You know what I'm saying? But no, for real. Hiphopdigital.com, youngtruth.net, universeright.com, and then we got uh, Netta the Official. Everybody go check us out. I'm going to link everything up in descriptions. I appreciate both of y'all. Let's stay in contact, Netta. If you ever need anything, hit me up.